2012 on radio.org.au. A Year of Grace with Bishop Julian Porteous. Bishop Julian Porteous is an auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Sydney and the Episcopal Vicar of Renewal and Evangelization. I don't know um, if you sort of understood how this year of grace came about and I'd like to speak about that because I think the, the, the background to this year of grace does a lot to explain its, its meaning and, and the purpose behind the year. It, it began, uh, the process began a number of years back uh, when the bishops of Australia, we, we meet as bishops twice a year in May and in November. And um, that stage, the president of the uh, Australian Catholic Bishops Conference, Archbishop Wilson from Adelaide, uh, just proposed that we might, as bishops, spend um, some time at each of our meetings reflecting upon the, the challenges that we face in the church here in Australia at this time and, and what can we as bishops do about it. It was really just asking the question of, that we, we're, we're aware of many, many issues and challenges that, uh, that, that we, we face at this time. And um, as bishops, how can we best respond? And maybe initially the, the idea was perhaps we should have a special synod or maybe a, a, a national pastoral council gathering or something or, or, um, or run some particular programs that um, might be uh, aimed at addressing some of the issues and challenges we face. So, the, the question was very much open-ended in the sense that uh, Archbishop Wilson was proposing that we just reflect together about this. And the way that we went about it was that, that he would set aside, we would set aside uh, a good deal of time, often uh, like a two-hour period of time together. And all the bishops would be there, about 40-odd bishops would be, would be there together. And it wasn't so much that there was uh, an agenda or a program or a a particular system whereby we could um, carry out this reflection together. It was just left open and any bishop could at any stage offer a particular insight, a particular reflection, a, a particular comment uh, on it. And, and this was, um, I, I felt, an extraordinary kind of process uh, for us to be engaged in. And, and uh, as we, we carried out this. We carried out over a number of conferences. It wasn't just one. Um, it was possibly three or four. I can't remember how many when it all began. But over the time, we, we just would, would then devote time ahead. It would sort of take up, if you like, where we left off previously as we were waiting to see what emerged from our reflections. And so what would happen sometimes is, is that a bishop would make a comment. Perhaps initially the comments were I think one of the big issues we face at the present moment is this, you know, and we'd talk about this and some other bishop would make a comment about it and, and so on. And as we met over a period of time, um, kind of just listening to each other, reflecting together, um, it began to sort of like coalesce along certain lines and certain themes. And, and I, I, I still remember very distinctly, I, I felt a moment which was a, a decisive moment in this process. It wasn't anything that hadn't been 
said before, things have been starting to be said along this particular line. But one archbishop just said, and I remember very distinctly, he just said, it's all about Jesus. And I just felt when he said that, something happened, like all the bishops said, yes, that's right. Really, when we look at the challenges we face in the church, when we look at all the issues that lie before us, in the end, it's not so much to focus upon the ways we can go about changing things or the particular programs we should do, but really we should, the, the life of the church, the future of the church, really focuses upon Jesus. And I think that's sort of marked a line, a direction that then the bishops went down. And in particular, the end was saying, well, we really should call the church to focus itself upon Jesus. How do we do that? How do we do that? And out of that reflection and, and discussion that took place, what, what eventually emerged was we should have a year of grace. And, and so that's why that particular decision was made, to have a year of grace. But then one of the things that the um, bishops were saying, well, that's good, but grace is a very nebulous idea and it's a <clears throat> not an easy concept for many people to grasp. Should we just say a year of grace, it might be a little bit difficult for people to understand what we're about. And so then the bishops proposed, well, well maybe we could take up a line that is found in the, um, in the great document that uh, Blessed John Paul II wrote as the church entered the new millennium. And it was in the year 2001, he produced a document called Novo Millennio Ineunte, at the beginning of the new millennium. And uh, in, in that particular document, he used a phrase, he called the church as it entered the new millennium to start afresh from Christ. So this was very much what was emerging from our own discussions and reflections as, as bishops, that we wanted to go back and centre our attention once again on Christ and then really in terms of addressing issues and challenges that lie before us, then we'll start afresh from that and go forward more deeply united with Christ. So, so that's why you'll see in the year of grace is that other line starting afresh from Christ capturing what we saw this, this year was, was to be about. I just thought this decision by the bishops was, um, was extraordinary in the sense of the depth and, and, and the way that eventually the bishops were led to respond to the challenges that we face at, at this moment. Um, to me, it was just uh, a, a very stirring outcome from this period of reflection and consideration by, by the bishops. And so that's why we have a year of grace. It was decided eventually we would start at Pentecost. And the reason for Pentecost, obviously, was that was the moment which the grace of the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples and really the power of the Holy Spirit launched the church. And so it was very appropriate to say this year of grace should commence and should conclude with Pentecost. And so we began it uh, and Pentecost Sunday this year, and it runs through to Pentecost Sunday next year. I'd like to explore with you this question of, of grace uh, a little this morning, just by setting the scene for what will be a certain focus to all that we're doing this year during this, uh, this scene conference, Congress. 
I think this, to focus on grace and to focus on starting afresh from Christ is, is very important because I think it's true to say that for many Catholics, what we tend to do is be very involved in activities. We're very good at doing as Catholics. We do a whole lot of stuff. The Catholic Church is extraordinarily active, apostolic. It has a myriad of organisations, of, uh, of activities, uh, agencies. It has vast school systems, hospital systems, charitable works, welfare activities. And this is wonderful, of course. And all of it is animated by our faith. And that's really wonderful. However, there is, there is a danger that we do get so caught up in doing that we lose sight of being. It's a little bit like that story which we know very well, Martha and Mary's story that's told in St Luke's Gospel, where Martha is very busy about doing and Mary is about being. And the Lord said, well, Mary's chosen the better part. And it does remind us of the fact that, um, that really we need to look at our, not just at what we do for God, for Christ, for the church, for people's needs and so forth. But we do really need to centre upon our being. And that's what this year of grace is about. Let's look more deeply at the quality of our being, our being with God, the, the quality of our faith, our relationship with God. And, and so this, was, this is one of the themes, I think, that's important in this year, to go back to our being. And in particular, we do need to focus upon the, the quality of our inner life, the quality of our relationship with God in Christ, the quality too of, of our engagement with Christ, very much what Grace was saying in, 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 in daily life, that we're not just doing things, if you like good things, but doing them sort of in our own efforts, uh, motivated by our own ideas, but, but rather we are deeply united with, with Christ in what, in what we are doing. And so it causes, causes us to, to reflect upon the quality of our inner life of faith. For instance, um, Pope uh, Benedict in his encyclical Deus Caritas Est, that first encyclical that he wrote when he was talking about the charitable works of the church, all the act activities of the church inspired by the love of God, he made this comment. He said, it is very important that the church's charitable activity maintains all its splendour and does not become just another form of social assistance. There's always a danger that the things that can start off motivated in a good way, but they can end up being somehow bureaucratic or, or somehow they become more of a, a human activity rather than something that's deeply inspired by, by faith. Because in the end, it's, it's that special quality of our faith, of our relationship with God, that really brings true fruitfulness and value to what we may be doing. It's, it's what we have, particularly from our faith, to contribute, say, to the various charitable works that the, the church may, may undertake. So this year of grace does, us, does provide us with a chance of stopping and thinking Am I doing a whole lot of things and doing them for good reasons and good motivations and so forth, but somehow I'm not giving enough attention to my being, to the quality of my inner life, and that there is a direct connection between 
the quality of my inner life and what I'm actually doing. I'd like to take this, um, talk about this from a, a slightly different angle. I, I, there's a phrase that's used by St. Paul that in his letter to the Ephesians, I'll quote the full text in a moment, that uh, I, I think it's important for us to consider more carefully during this year of grace. And he says, we are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by grace through faith. Now, why I comment on that is that, that I do think there's a tendency among many Catholics to think that we really save ourselves by virtue of our good works. In other words, you know, I see my job as a Catholic is to do the right thing and, and to be generous and do good things in my life. And this is what's going to save me. This is, this is how I'll eventually um, merit eternal life because I've lived a good life. I've, in one sense, I could say to God, I've deserved to get to heaven because I've done the things that have been expected of me and I've led a good life. Let me quote what St Paul says in the letter to the Ephesians. It's in chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, if you want the actual text. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from, ourself, from yourselves. It's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So the Paul saying there, we're saved by the grace of God and not by our works. And I'm sure many people may be saying that's probably right, but they struggle with it. They're not sure how to, how to kind of make sense of this. Maybe um, it's, it's helpful to, to, to know something about a, a person who spoke a great deal about grace, apart from St Paul, and that was St Augustine of Hippo. He was, he's been given the designation the doctor of grace. So grace was something which was very important in the life of, of St. Augustine. And the reason he ended up writing a great deal about, about this question of grace, that we're saved by grace, was because at that time there was a, 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 a British uh, monk, a man called Pelagius, who was teaching that, um, that, that, that the whole focus of being Christian is to exercise our willpower, our, our own, if you like, determination and effort to lead a good life and that uh, and this is how we are saved so very much he's talking about this idea that we save ourselves as a result of our effort of, of our own effort and, and St. Augustine who now said no no that's not true and I think St. Augustine particularly could speak out of his own personal experience to know no the reason I'm being saved now, particularly because of his own journey of faith, was he said that, that God's grace intervened in my life. God touched my life and changed me. And I think that's the same way with St Paul. St Paul was a persecutor of the church. And then suddenly on the road to Damascus, God intervened in his life. And, and so that's why St Paul would, say, would speak so readily and so eloquently about grace. He said, I'm not saved because I'm smart enough or, in, or able to penetrate the truth sufficiently or I have the sufficient characteristics of character and personality and ability 
to be a good Christian. Both of us say no. The reason I am on the, on the path of salvation is because God intervened in my life. The grace of God acted in my life. And so they understood there that in the end, it's not what we do. In the end, it's the action of God, God's grace, which is an expression of his love and his mercy that actually enables us to be saved. You know, in, in his confessions, he, he refers a number of times to different things about his own life and, and often would then turn to acknowledge that this is all because of God's grace. So in one place he said, it is only by your grace and mercy that you have melted away the ice of my evil. Isn't that beautiful? The grace, only by your grace and mercy that you have melted away the ice of my evil. He makes another comment. So you commanded me, and since you gave me the power, it was so done. So what he would say there is, yes, I can see what you're asking of me, and certainly I need to cooperate, I need to say yes. But it's not just my willpower. It's actually the grace of God that enables things to be accomplished. I think this is a very important issue for us to, to explore today because I think there's a tendency among many Catholics to, to really not understanding the nature of grace tend to think that really it is our own efforts that will get us salvation. How often do you hear people say, I'm going to try to be good, I'm going to try to do the right thing, I'm going to try. The word try all the time. Now we have to try. We have to use our God-given gifts of, of, of free will and, uh, and intelligence and all these sort of things to see what we should do and make a decision and, and have a desire to do them. That's certainly true. But what enables them to be achieved in us is not our willpower, but the grace of God. And so this, is a, this year of grace is a chance for us to explore this and, and to examine, our, I suppose, our own ways of thinking, to examine how we see the living of our Christian life. How, how much do we, in fact, depend upon grace to grow and develop in our Christian life? As again saying, well, I'm the one who's got to get there. I'm the one who's got to achieve by virtue of my own effort and, and my, own, my own struggle. St Paul in his Ephesians has a very beautiful line. Um, he just says, we're all God's work of art. It's a beautiful phrase. We're all God's work of art. In other words, who I am is not the result of what I have been able to manufacture or achieve or create. Who I am is what God has done in me. Who I am is the fruit of God's grace at work in my life. In trying to explain grace, if people say, what is grace? Where is grace? Where do I get grace? How does it work? You know, all these kind of questions. Not an easy thing to explain. One thing I, uh, I don't know if this is helpful or not, but it's a, it's a very simple thing that I sometimes use in relation to grace. And it's linking grace with breathing. Like, you're breathing, aren't you, right now? Now, if you stop breathing, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> we, we depend upon breathing to stay alive. 
But do we, we have to say every breath, in, out, in, out, you know? <laughs> Making sure it keeps going, don't stop, otherwise I'm dead. <laughs> we, we don't make ourselves breathe, do we? Breathing happens. Breathing's vital. And most of the time we don't even realise we're breathing. Probably until I mentioned it this morning, you hadn't given much thought to breathing. The only time we give thought to breathing is where we're climbing up a huge set of stairs or climbing a mountain or, or running a, a, a marathon. You know, then, then we're breathing really heavily and we're conscious of our breathing. But on a day-to-day -day basis, like when you woke up this morning, you said, oh, good, I'm breathing again. You know, you, you don't think about it. It's just there. So, so I think that's a way of understanding grace. Grace is there. We often don't think about it. It's only sometimes when there are particular circumstances and situations maybe where grace is particularly needed or grace particularly acts in a, in a powerful and sovereign way that we come, become conscious of grace. But grace is there. You know, when St Paul says, you can't even say Jesus is Lord without the action of the Holy Spirit, the action of grace. So grace precedes acts of faith. St Paul says, when you pray, pray in the Spirit. In other words, it's not just me talking to God, it's, it's me allowing the presence of the grace of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit, which has been granted to me in my baptism and abides within me. This life of God, this life of faith, that, is, that it has come to me through the Holy Spirit by virtue of my baptism, that breathes in me. Breathes in me. And even though I don't know, even though I'm not conscious of it, even though I don't think about it, it's there. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit is active. And so the Holy Spirit breathes in us. Breath of God. It's one of the images that's used of the Holy Spirit. It's a very beautiful image. We think that's what happened. It's the breath of God inside me. Breathes in me. And every now and again it will breathe, move more strongly to inspire me. But on a day-to-day -day basis, it's what's there that sustains my faith, that draws me to prayer, that prompts me to do things. And when, when I seek to do something, I do have this sense and, and I can look to the idea that God's grace will be at work to enable me to accomplish what I need to do. For instance, St Thomas Aquinas says this. He says there are five effects of grace in us. Of these, he says, the first is to heal the soul. The second, to desire good. The third, to carry into effect the good proposed. The fourth, to persevere in good. And the fifth, to reach glory. The presence of grace heals the soul. It's a constant refreshment of our human spirit. It's then grace that becomes the instrument of giving us desire. It's God's presence, God's holiness within me that's kind of prompting me to desire to do good. And then it's that grace of God that enables the good to be accomplished. When I do things, God's grace is carrying it forward, bringing it to fruition. And then it's the grace of God which enables me to persevere in the good. And finally, it's the grace of God that's gonna take me to glory. So I think that's a, a very beautiful image to say that in the end, grace is everything. The beginning, the sustainer, the fruit, the conclusion. 
I'd like just to offer a little thought to you this, um, in this relation, just a little thing you might like to think about. You may have heard the word divine providence. Heard, heard divine providence? Uh, it's, it's something which is quite strong in the Catholic um, spiritual tradition and many saints very, very conscious of divine providence often spoke about divine providence. Divine providence is basically saying that, that God has worked, has been active, has achieved his goal, his purposes. The, the whole idea of divine providence is to say that I'm not the one running the show. It's not, it's, I shouldn't just limit or seek to understand what I'm about in terms of my Christian life, just in terms of my own understanding. I mean, I have certain goals that I have in life. I have certain purposes I want to achieve. I have certain ways that I want to live. But divine providence is saying, but there is a greater plan, there is a greater purpose. God is at work in a sovereign, mysterious way in and around my life. Divine providence is saying that God has certain purposes. God has certain things he desires to achieve in me. And so what becomes important for me in living my Christian life is not to restrict what I want to do, how I want to live, only in according, according to my own perception of what I think is important, what I think the goals are, what I want to achieve. To be open to the greater picture, if you like, the broader canvas of God's overall purposes. Many saints wrote about this. This, this is just one prayer. For instance, this is uh, Jane, St. Jane de Chantel. She says this, Therefore I resolve with your divine assistance, O my Saviour, to follow your desires and your ordinances without regarding or examining why you do this rather than that. But I will blindly follow you according to your divine will without seeking my own inclinations. So she wanted to open herself out to, even if I can't understand, why did you do that? What was your purposes here? That's not important. I, I just want to be open, receptive, responsive to what you may be doing, to what you may be leading to me, to what you want to achieve. I'm, I'm not going to reduce down and restrict your work in my life merely to what I understand, merely to what I see as the right thing to do, the good thing to do, or whatever. It's, it's a very useful thing for us to, uh, to consider. How open am I to, to divine providence? How conscious am I of God's will, of God's purposes in, around, and through my life? I think that's a good thing that we can take up in this year of, of grace. I think the year of grace too provides us a really good opportunity to reflect upon the quality of our relationship with God. Again, many of us here you know, would be committed to our Catholic way of life, committed to, to mass, to prayer, to living the Christian life and so on. It's a good thing just to think of it in terms of a relationship, again, not just the doing, this, this is what I do, but rather looking at our being. Every relationship is a dynamic reality. It's, it's always changing, it's growing, it's declining, any relationship. Am I growing? 
in my closeness to God? Am I growing, growing in my intimacy with Jesus Christ? What is the quality of my relationship with God? And I suppose one of the best tests of that, as it is a test in every relationship, as you know, every relationship really centres upon the quality of communication that takes place in a relationship. And so we could, we could examine ourselves about the quality of our communication with God, the quality of our prayer. Not so much what we do, but more how we do it. Not so much the things that make up our spiritual life, but rather what happens interiorly in me when I'm a mess, when I receive Holy Communion, when I read the scriptures, when I pray the rosary. Now I know there's always a natural human struggle with, with distraction, with tiredness, with, with uh, we can go and we can have all the best intentions in the world and things are fairly automatic and a bit dry and a bit, bit pointless, that, that's part of the human reality. But it's also the question of, ha have some things become a bit routine? And this year of grace provides us with an opportunity for us just to think about the quality of our relationship with prayer, the quality of our, our prayer. One of the other themes connected with the year of grace that the bishops wanted to take up in talking about starting afresh from Christ was to talk about the idea of contemplating the face of Christ. It was again a, a beautiful phrase used by Pope uh, John Paul II in his document, Novo Millennio Ineonte. He spoke about a beautiful phrase, contemplating the face of Christ. You know when you come up and meet somebody for the first time, you don't look at their feet, do you? You look at their face. You know, that, and the face is like the image, the icon, the, the revelation of who a person is. So in everybody's face, there is uh, a, a reflection of who they are. And, and so this idea of contemplating the face of Christ is very much for us to to look not so much at what, what Christ did, the miracles he worked, even his teaching, I mean, all those have great value, of course, but rather to contemplate the face of Christ is just to look at the face of Christ, to look at him in himself. Just not to think about anything, just to say, I just want to look at you. I want to focus my attention on you. There's probably no better way we can do that than through adoration of blessed sacrament. That's very much what we do. The monstrances on the altars we'll have today and throughout soon. And, and what we're just invited to do with the monstrance is just to look at Christ, to contemplate him, to be conscious of who he is and, be, and find in our own heart this desire to be drawn more closely to him, being drawn more deeply into our relationship with him. So the idea of, of adoration the idea, and we'll have a particular focus upon that uh, during this week of scene, because, because it really does reflect this idea that the bishops are proposing in the year of grace. To, to grow in our relationship with Christ means we really need to contemplate him, we need to centre our focus and our attention upon him. It's one of the themes that uh, Pope Benedict speaks about a great deal. He, he says, for instance, he said, Christianity is not a new philosophy or a new morality. We are Christians only if we encounter Christ. 
And only in this personal relationship with Christ, only in this encounter with the risen Lord, do we really become Christians. Therefore, let us pray to the Lord to enlighten us so that in our world he will grant us that encounter with his presence and thus give to us a lively faith, an open heart and a great charity for all. So Pope Benedict is very conscious of this and he speaks about this idea often. In the end, being Christian is not a set of beliefs, a morality, not a worldview, not a philosophy. I mean, it's all those things too, of course. But the heart of it, the heart of it is the fact that I've had this personal encounter, I've had this, this, this relationship, I've discovered a person, I've, and, and I, I've found myself drawn into a relationship with that person. I've found myself captivated by the person of Jesus Christ and wanting to enter more and more deeper. I just want to be with him. And I want to unite my life more and more completely with him. And I want him to be the one who animates and inspires every aspect of my being, all that I do. I want Christ to be in me. I want to live in him. And this very much is, um, again, part of what we're invited to do during this um, year of grace. So I offer you these, these thoughts as we begin seeing and also just as part of the ongoing work of the, of the church here in Australia during this year of grace. And, and I certainly pray that through the, these coming days of seeing and, and also just generally as, as you receive what the bishops are offering and encouraging in the church here in Australia, that indeed it will be a year of grace. You, you will sense and be more conscious of the presence, the activity of God's grace in your life. And what will happen is you will be drawn closer and closer to Jesus Christ, contemplating his face, drawn more and more deeply in your relationship with him, in your union, unity with him. And then out of that, we can start afresh in Christ. What we do, all we do will be animated profoundly and with a new spirit from this relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. For to him belongs the glory forever and ever. Amen. radio.org.au